You're listening to a sermon from Iron City Church. For unity, for diversity, for the city, and for the glory of God. And so like I said, we're going to have a panel discussion today. Um, But to start us out, we'll have Scott to give us just a, a, a word of encouragement as we set this series up. And I really hope you guys lean in. And I'll really dig in to what the Lord is going to say to us through this series. Thanks, Meech. I just learned this afternoon that Meech is Demetrius, or Demetrius is Meech. I thought Jesse was talking about two different people when she's talking about Meech and Demetrius, and I was so confused about who I was supposed to follow up here. Um, Good afternoon. Do you remember as a kid... The things people said to you that just weren't all that helpful in the moment when something was going wrong. Do you remember when you lost your backpack and your mom would say, where was the last place you put it? Or you're crying and your dad comes up to you and says, if you don't stop crying, I'll give you something to cry about. Or you share your sad feelings and a friend says, why can't you just be happy? Statements like those don't help because they don't get at the root of the problem in the moment. They don't connect to the feelings of loss and grief that we're having in that moment. Similarly, there are some things that don't help when someone is struggling with anxiety, trauma, and depression. Oh, I felt that way before. Let you tell me, let me tell you my story. Or You just need to try harder. Have you tried praying about it? Have you memorized a verse about that? Oh, and this is a good one. Don't tell anyone what you just told me. That is so embarrassing. Have you ever been told that? Or the best, just snap out of it. Come on, things will be better. Today, we're going to talk about a subject that we don't usually address in church, and that is our mental and emotional health. And rather than just come at it by saying, stop it, God wants you to be happy. Don't you know you're supposed to be living the abundant life? We're going to talk about some real ways and what it means to engage with God when our minds and our emotions are overwhelming. In a few minutes, we're going to have this panel discussion and answer some questions that some of you have asked. But first, I want to suggest four truths to keep in mind when you're struggling with mental health issues or when you're helping a friend who is struggling. So the first truth is this. God does not sanctify, save, or indwell worthy people. He did not choose you because you were smart enough, cool enough, pretty enough, or good enough. He chose you so that his glory could be seen through your brokenness. Let me repeat that. God does not save, sanctify, and indwell worthy people. He did not choose you because you're cool enough, good enough, worthy enough, and pretty enough, or good enough. He chose you so that he could show his glory through your brokenness. So what does that mean for mental and emotional health? Well, if you're struggling, it means that God loves you and he is moving towards you in your struggle. He knows your brokenness. 
and he knows your pain, he knows the fear you wake up with, and he moves towards you. Jesus said, I came to the sick. That's all of us, people. We are the sick. We are the broken. And some of us are just better at recognizing our sick. We all long to be loved. We all long to be accepted. We all long to be known intimately. We long to belong, to be forgiven, to be significant, and to be secure. But when those needs are not met, we feel the lack as anxiety and distress. And anxiety and distress, if they, if they go on over time, they can turn into either panic, a hyper-aroused state, or depression, a hyper-apathetic state. So they're opposites, yes, but they both result from this rising anxiety and fear and distress. And anxiety, simply put, is the difference between our negative expectations of future events or what's going on right in our present and our deep longings, our deep desires. Because we all have deep desires that go unfulfilled at some time or another in our lives, it's very common to experience this distress and anxiety at some point in our lives. So mental and emotional health issues are not a sign that God doesn't love you. They're not a sign that God has abandoned you. You are worthy of love and belonging simply because you are made in God's image. But, and Romans 8.1 is very clear that God does not condemn those who are found in Christ Jesus. God does not condemn his own. So number one, God did not choose you because you're so cool. God chose you because you're broken and you need a savior. The second truth I wanna talk about is that God promises to be with you. He does not promise to take away all the problems in this life. The story of the incarnation, God becoming man, is a story of a God who won't leave his people alone. We often look at the book of Job, and we see in Job, um, it's all about suffering. And we think his experience was so exceptional. He lost his wealth, his kids, and his health, all in one fell swoop. And one day his life is great, the next day his life's a disaster. And it takes a whole book to get through all this pain and suffering. But at the end of the book, what does Job say to God? He looks to God and he said, once I heard of you with the hearing of my ear, but now I have seen you with my eye. He did not, Job did not get the answers to why all that happened to him. He did not get the answers to why life was so hard. He did not get the answers to why he had to deal with so much loss and grief and pain and suffering. But what he got was a God who was with him. He experienced God in the midst of his pain, not just when his pain was over. God did draw him back to himself. And in Job's story, God heals him and gives him back what he had lost. But by contrast, we have Paul in the New Testament, who he writes about the thorn in his flesh. And God told Paul 
that he had to learn to live with this suffering and trust God in the midst of his brokenness because God was not going to take it away. Pain and suffering are a part of life, but it's easy to think that God is punishing us or has abandoned us if we're suffering and in pain. Which brings me to the third truth regarding mental and emotional health. We need to learn how to lament. American culture does not do grief and lament well. We live in a fallen world that is full of loss. How, do you per- how did you personally experience loss and pain over this past year? I bet there were hundreds, if you count all of us, hundreds of ways that we experience loss and pain and grief. To grieve and lament is a way to process that pain and the loss, but when we fail to grieve the losses in our lives, it can build into an, an unhealthy anxiety and fear of what is coming next. So you, who are young adults, which is most of you, are in a constant transition and adjustment. And in the midst of every change, good or bad, you're experiencing loss. The loss of friendships, the loss of being known, the loss of stability, the loss of predictability, the loss of belonging, the loss of support systems, the loss of security. And those losses can produce a lot of anxiety in the process of transition. And we need to know, and we need to learn how to lean into grief and allow ourselves to experience it, inviting God to be with us in the midst of grief, in our pain, rather than denying that it exists, denying that we need help, denying that, or saying that we can do it all alone, we don't need him or anyone else to help us get through this. But Psalms of Lament, and you can Google them to find a list, are a great place to start to learn how to grieve loss and invite the Lord to speak into your pain. Listen to the first, just the first two verses of Psalm 13. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long am I to feel anxious in my soul, with grief in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? If you've had trauma or abuse in your past, you need to experience a safe place where you can grieve your loss and process the trauma. You need a safe place in community, and it can be a small community. It can be just you and a counselor, but I would encourage you not to try to process deep trauma and abuse by yourself. Why? Well, because the fourth truth regarding mental and emotional health is that we need one another. We've got to be living in community and, we, and where we practice and experience one anothering. Over the past month or so, our our pastors have been preaching about what it means to accept one another, to bear one another's burdens, to encourage one another, to honor one another, to love one another. And our mental and emotional health is directly affected by the way we one another, one another. The church is the best place to bring our needs because we come together as people who experience one anothering. So, when you see your sister struggle, don't hide. Love always moves towards, not aggressively beating down the door, but with gentleness and compassion, with kindness, with caring. B 
be with her. When your brother's having a panic attack, honor him by being with him. Sit with him, put your arm around him. You don't have to fix him, just be with him. When you see your sister's withdrawing into depression, check on her, bring her food, listen, grieve injustice together with her, but be with her. Being with is the incarnation of the gospel message that we are more sinful and separated from God in ourselves than we ever felt, and we are more loved and worthy of belonging in Jesus Christ than we can ever believe. Do you see a pattern? To one another, one another means that I know and what's happening in your life, and you know what's happening in my life, and we move towards one another in that. So back to the story of Job. His friends did initially do a good job. The first seven days, they just came and sat with Job. But then they did what we often do to people who are hurting. They started throwing solutions and strategies at Job to help fix his situation. Larry Crabb said that when we see people as problems to be fixed, we come at them with solutions and strategies but when we see people as image bearers of a living God, we approach them with wonder and curiosity. As the children of God, we need to approach each other with wonder and curiosity, even when people are struggling, especially when people are struggling. Don't throw solutions and strategies at the problem first. Get to know the person and ask the question, I wonder what God is up to in this person's life, because God is always up to something in the life of his children. For far too long in the church, those who are struggling in their mental and emotional health have been seen as socially unacceptable or shameful or dishonoring to God. Why? Well, because I, I think the reasoning goes something like, if we really had good theology and we knew our Bible and we believed Jesus, we wouldn't have any mental or emotional or spiritual problems. And that is so untrue. We were created by a triune God who lives in loving community to be people living in loving community. Our biggest problem is not that we don't have enough information. Our biggest problem is living a life disconnected or out of relationship with the one who gives true life and with others who share in his life. So as we move into the discussion time now, Hold these truths in mind as the panel talks about mental and emotional health. God didn't choose you because you're cool. God knows you're broken. His desire is to be with you, not to fix every problem that you'll encounter in life. We need to learn to lament our brokenness with God, not run from him in escapism. And finally, we need to live out the gospel in community where we can one another one another. Can y'all help me thank Scott? That was incredible. So I want to open up um, with our final time with a couple questions. Um, but before we do that, I would love for uh, the panel to introduce themselves, kind of explain what you do and uh, some of your passions in this field. Um, again, this is Mental and Emotional Health Awareness Month, and so um, we'll definitely have some resources available as well um, because we really do 
Something I had to grow and learn is that every one of us in this room, we are both needy and needed at times. And so that's very important to know that the room is kind of equalized because all of us are broken. All right, so Lindsay Kate. All right. Hey guys, I'm Lindsay Kate Skinner. Um, I do not typically get up here and speak to y'all. So I'm also when I'm speaking about mental health, I'm normally one-on-one with someone. So bear with me, I want to be clear and honest, um, but there's a lot of you, so nerves are present. Um, but yeah, I'm a mental health therapist at a private practice here in Birmingham called Apollo. It's actually owned by another member of Iron City, Patrick Norton. Um, and we focus on helping people who are walking through all seasons of life. Um, I would say maybe my passion in therapy work is to uh, focus on helping you or helping my client identify maybe um, a behavior or an emotion or a thought pattern that persists over time and how it's affecting them, especially if it's in a negative direction being able to identify it and then work to make changes to it. Um, so ultimately they can live the best life they can no matter what they're dealing with um, because everybody deals with something. So I work with a lot of college students, um, but I also work with adults older than college students. And that's me. I'm Jane Quedon. Um, I have a, oh yeah, sorry. I'm so used to it. Okay. Uh, I'm Jane Quedon. I earned my doctorate in education, particularly in the development of TCKs. Any of you missionary kids know what that is? Um, we've worked for the past 10 years doing counseling with missionaries and pastors and trying to help people know in the midst of crisis how you can love Jesus and still find life in the midst of the hard stuff. And so we are passionate about that. We moved back to the States two years ago, and so we've lived, there, lived here since then and love to spend time with people really just seeking, seeking curiosity, <laughs> curiously, how people find life, and are we able to take that back to the one who created us? I would say the only thing I have to add is that my passion, as I've been learning over these last few years, last decade of my life, is learning how to approach people with wonder and curiosity instead of strategies to help them fix their problems. And I'm passionate about figuring out when I go anywhere but God to find life, why am I going there? And why do we go anywhere else? And there's, there's something behind it. There's always something behind it. And so not shaming people into giving it up, but in drawing it out by presenting a, a stronger view of the love of God than a love for anything else in the world. So let's kick it off with question one. I think it, it will piggyback off what Scott just said. Um, how do we know when we are being insensitive to someone struggling with mental health? That's a good one. Um, okay, so 
maybe because of my career, I would always lean towards, if you're asking that question, you need to be more sensitive. Um, going back to everybody has something they deal with, right? We all have our struggles, we all have our hardships. Um, a lot of times we don't see those hardships, right? A lot of times they're behind a smile or they're behind an answer, I'm fine or I'm good. Uh, when the truth is somebody could be really hurting or could be struggling um, or, or could deal with something very serious that you might not have encountered before. So I would say to err on the side of grace. Right, if we're asking ourselves that question, then to say, okay, is it, is it worth the, um, my opinion right now? Right? Is it worth the joke? Um, because typically the answer is no, it's not worth it. And you don't know what chords you could hit with someone. So, and it's okay, right? We, we all do it. At some point, we, uh, ignorance becomes knowledge, and we learn, and we say, oh, I shouldn't have said that oh, I didn't know they were going through that, that's okay. I would say, don't be afraid to approach that person and let them know, I'm, I'm sorry, right? I didn't know you were experiencing that. I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. How can I help? Um, there you go. Anything else? That's great. I'll add a small piece to that. Uh, I would also say, we become insensitive when we are struggling to have an answer and that it is not necessary that we have to have an answer. Um, and like Scott said earlier, just being with a person is quite enough. Um, sometimes we can get the messianic complex and we try to become superhero in saving our friends when they're struggling, when they just honestly need our presence. There have been a lot of times that people have tried to counsel me during the grief of my mom, and all I've wanted to say is shut up. It's okay to laugh. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but seriously, just being there uh, with a person is quite all right and is quite enough um, because we don't have all the answers in this very complex uh, issue because every one of us got to where we are from a very specific, significant amount of things that takes professionals to help unpack. And uh, yeah, just want to encourage us with that because sometimes the hero syndrome can kind of get in and, and have us do things that we really don't have to do. And so I hope that gave us all a deep breath that we can take in. Um, and it also pricks on our patience to bear with one another in those moments, mm -hmm. I think is very important um, because I know we have a desire for our friends and family to get better quickly but sometimes these things are long processes, and I pray that God will give us the long-suffering fruit uh, to help him bear with people in that. Um, that's, so thank you, uh, Lindsay, for, Lindsay Kate, for answering that. Um, here's a good question um, that we get a lot. Is it better to see a Christian counselor or therapist? Even what's the difference in that, if you can expound on that? You can take it. Right. Um, there is a difference, <clears throat> but there's also not, right? Because, <clears throat> so sorry, um, I'm a mental health therapist that went to UAB for my master's. I did not specialize in 
being a Christian counselor, but I am a Christian who is a counselor. Um, so, yes, I, I think that it could be a personal preference thing for you. Um, I will also just say make sure you're checking credentials. Um, check the credentials of the person who is doing the work, right? Check reviews, look, look at their profile, see if you resonate with who they say they are, um, and if you feel you can trust them in the process because you're going to have to be able to trust your therapist. And if it is important to you to seek out a Christian counselor, that is totally okay. If it's important for you to have somebody who um, may not have gone through, uh, I guess, Christian counseling school, then that's fine too. They might lean a little bit in, more into the clinical aspect of things um, that you might not get on the Christian counseling side. But I, I, would, I would say it's gonna come to you um, and don't be afraid to do research and ask questions. And if a therapist is ever uncomfortable with you asking questions, I would say don't go to that therapist. So. <laughs> I would just reiterate what Lindsay Kate said, that you really need to find somebody you trust. And I think that's true of the body of Christ. I mean, we, I think in a perfect world, we would just be able to communicate and, and find all of our spiritual and emotional and mental needs in the body of Christ. But sometimes we need specialists. And sometimes we need doctors who can come alongside us in this place where we're trying to unpack a lot of stuff. And so shop around, find somebody you trust. If you feel like you don't trust and you've got something inside you that's kind of rising up, um, pay attention to that. Don't just ignore it and hope it goes away. The only thing I would add is I know it's hard to shop around when it's for a therapist because you're in a state of anxiety or depression and it's really hard to shop around at that point, but it's very important that if you don't connect with a therapist or a counselor, don't feel bad for them to say, this isn't working for me. I need to go somewhere else because the number one factor in is finding a relationship in which you feel you can trust them, like Lindsay Kate said, and you need to feel the freedom to get up and leave if you don't. Yeah. I love my therapist. He is incredible. And uh, he has earned every bit of his paycheck this year. And, <laughs> and I pay him willingly and on time, amen. <laughs> oh man, y'all know I'm crazy, stop acting like that, you know. Um, here's a good question, and I love this question, I think this is an important question. Is my mental health connected to my spiritual health? Why or why not? Ooh, can, mm -hmm. I, can I start on that one? Oh yeah. Okay, I would say yes. You're, because God made us as holistic beings, your mental health, your emotional health, your spiritual health, your physical health, and your social health, it's all connected in here because we only approach both God and the world and, and everyone in it with one brain. Hear this when, when I say this, you do not approach God with one brain and people with another brain. You only have one brain. And so you're approaching God with the same brain that you approach the world around you. And so, yes, they're, they're intimately connected. My spiritual health is intimately connected with my emotional health. In fact, we often, we have come to believe that your spiritual health has a, has a ceiling and the ceiling of your spiritual health is your emotional health because you can know 
all kinds of things, but you aren't going to be living it out in truth until you can admit your, the reality of where you are emotionally and mentally. And, and we all have probably met Christians who knew a ton, but they were mean, they were cynical, they did not have compassion for others around them because they had no, no emotional mm-hmm. connection with others. Mm-hmm. And, and the word that comes out when I think about Jesus and his emotions is compassion. Jesus, it is, it is a word in the New Testament that's only used for Jesus and the father of the prodigal. Those are the only two places that this word compassion is used. Jesus was our model for compassion. And so, yes, I believe our, our, our spirituality and our emotional health are, are intricately intertwined. Yeah. Amen. Good. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes I've heard is, Jesus is in the heart, but granddaddy is in them bones. And so we definitely need to get help uh, as we wash out the things that our family of origin has taught us um, because it has, absolutely. Um, Here's a good question. At what point should I encourage a person to get help? Um, so the clinical answer for when I assess myself of when should I get help is going to be if a emotion, um, a behavior, or a thought pattern consists for four to six weeks, and it is consuming more than an hour of time in your day that is causing negative effects. That's your clinical answer. Um, so when we're looking at others, um, a, big, a big question is to say, are, are they withdrawing, right? Have they confided something with me that just seems a little out of reach for me to help them? Um, has their mood shifted and has it stayed that way, right? Because we, we go through things that are going to cause mood changes, um, but has it lasted for longer than a couple months? Right? Are they asking for help without asking for help? And, and maybe that looks like um, they are asking some hard questions or they stop asking questions. Um, so it, it's, it's, a hard, it's a hard balance. But I will say this, with your community, with the people you love, you're going to know them. And so if something inside of you is saying, I think they're struggling, and I can't help them. I feel like this is something that needs to be brought to a professional. That's the time to love your friend, love your family member, love the person and say, hey, I want to help you get help, right? Because the biggest thing is we don't wanna push somebody to say, you need help and then shut them off. Um, How we love somebody is we say, I want to help you get help and I will, go with you, right? I will, I will help you make the phone calls. I will help you send the emails and I'll help you get your first counseling appointment set up. And then I will even come with you there if you need. Um, and then from there, 
you can let the counselor do the work. But don't be afraid to check in too, sorry. Here's a more serious question. Um, how do you combat suicidal thoughts? And can you go a little into suicidal thoughts? Hmm. We're gonna pass that right to you. Um, so this, the term we use for this is suicide ideation. And that is simply defined as if you have um, suicidal thoughts, questions, um, even a plan. And if that has been a running theme in your mind, we would label that as suicide ideation. I would say if you are currently um, sitting in here and dealing with that, it is extremely hard. Uh, and the first thing that I want you to know is that you're not alone. A lot of people struggle with this and it's hard. Um, but what I also want to let you know is that we do not want you to leave here tonight without talking to one of us, um, because there is help. I would also say this, um, sometimes we ask questions in life, and maybe that question can be, what is suicide? What, what, is, what would that look like? What is death? What is life? Those questions maybe aren't quite as serious, but I, I will always lean into the side of, if suicide is a running theme in your mind, it is really important to seek help ASAP. So uh, look for a professional counselor, talk to one of us here today, but don't let it sit. Here's a, a really good question that came in. How do I honor God with my emotions? I think we start by paying attention to them. Um, we, can't, we can't process what we don't pay attention to. And we say that pain is always kind of lurking underneath, and when we don't pay attention, it shoots itself up in other places. So it shoots itself up in anger and relationship. It shoots itself up in withdrawal from other people. It shoots itself up in other places. And so we need to stop and pay attention and say, what is it inside me that's, that's triggering me? What's going on? And then we take that thing and we begin a process of questions. What's, what's happening here? Why is that triggering me? What other experiences have I had in my life that this feels really similar to? Where do I need to go? Because all of that anxiety is usually connected to some sort of vulnerability in our life. We feel vulnerable. I'm under attack. I'm under threat. I don't know if I'm going to be okay. Our vulnerability is often attacked to, is attached to our fear of I'm afraid I'm going to be alone. I'm afraid I'm always going to be like this. I'm afraid it's never going to feel different. And that often goes back to a place of where we believe God is. And that's at the heart of a lot of those questions. And so we've got to pay attention to our emotions. We got to pay attention to those behaviors that are popping up and seeping out of us that we wish other people didn't see. But when we start there, we're honoring God because we're trying to get back to that question of God, do I really trust you? Not trust you for my salvation, but trust you in this minute, in this situation, in the micro. Do I believe you're big enough and good enough to me even in this? 
Could I add something? Has anyone ever been told you can't trust your emotions? Okay. I was thinking about this one day and thinking, okay, is this true or false? Can you trust your emotions or not? The question is not, can you trust your emotions? The question is, what can you trust your emotions to tell you? You cannot trust your emotions to tell you the truth outside of yourself. You can't trust your emotions to tell you the truth about God and his world, that that's what the Bible is for. But you can trust your emotions to be leading you into the truth of what is going on inside of you. That's why God gave you emotions, to help you understand what's going on inside you so that you can reconcile that with what God says is true outside of you. So can you trust your emotions? Yes. Can you trust your emotions for everything in this world? No. Just want to clarify that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, somebody wanted to clap on that. Great. <laughs> That's great. Uh, I heard uh, Crawford Loretz, he said this about emotions. He said, uh, emotions are better passengers than drivers. Mm -hmm. And I said, man, you better preach. That was really good. They do tell us something. They do, yeah, pay attention, exactly. Um, here's a good question, um, practical question. What are some resources um, on the cheaper end of things but are still good? So what are some different resources that any of you guys would recommend uh, for people? We'll start with you and go down. Yes, so um, therapy can get expensive. Um, and we definitely understand that. Um, it's your health, right? It's, it's just what Scott said earlier, it's all connected. So it is important. But there's lots of resources um, for those who maybe are in a place where they can't afford to pay a lot for therapy. So we have, I looked up every college campus around the Birmingham area except for Jeff State has um, a counseling center on site that is free to students. So if you're a college student, you have a resource right there. Um, and they're super easy to find. Literally Google the name of your college and, and counseling center. Um, the next one I would say is the UAB Clinic of Interns. So these are students who are working on their masters and they're under a supervisor. You can go to that clinic for, I believe, $5 a session. Um, it can be hard to get into, but it is an option. And you are working still with a professional because they do have um, very good professors supervising. And then the next option would be um, if those two aren't kind of what you are going to connect with to come to the church staff or um, somebody in leadership here because we do have resources and funds actually that went into effect this year. I think we had them last year, but I think it increased this year. And um, we wanna help you get help. I would add to, um, you know, there are levels of severity. And so when she's talking, some of those levels are the higher levels of severity. If you're not at that higher level of severity, I often think that uh, people and books together can make a really good mentor. 
And so if you can find a book like Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, go pick it up and go find a friend and say, we're going to read this together. <laughs> we're going to read it. We're going to do the exercises. We're going to walk through it together. There's a great book by Henry Cloud called Changes That Heal. Excellent book on what it means to be a mature person and what it means to kind of grow in some of those areas. And so if you're feeling like, wow, emotionally, I feel like I need to grow up. I don't really know how or what to use. Come see me. I'm, I'm a book queen and I can direct you in some places about books um, that could walk with you and be your mentors for a season. But I really encourage you not to do it alone. Again, we're in community, so grab somebody and do it together, and you can both grow and you'll challenge each other, and I think that's the whole point of community in the first place. And I would just add, a book that started me on my journey of understanding what was going on inside me emotionally and how God looked at that is a very old book, but it was called Inside Out by Larry Crabb. I think it's a very good book still to this day. I think the foundations are excellent. Do you guys mind honoring our panel this morning? Can we give it up? Good afternoon. Thank you, guys. I want to encourage us with this prayer um, that's found in 3 John, verse 2. He said, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. And, and our prayer for this series is that we... Uh, really release the shame and the insecurities that come a, around this area of emotional and mental health, uh, that we can be a church that can listen and lament and walk alongside each other as we're in these different seasons. And so I want to pray over us, even during this series, that the bonds of shame will be broken um, and that we will receive the grace um, and the help that we need in each other. God has blessed us in this community with great resources and great people who are in the field. And so do not be ashamed to take advantage of those resources during this series. Again, we're going to be talking about anxiety and fear next week, and we're going to get into depression, and we're going to get into grief um, because God has something to say about those things. And our prayer is that we invite Jesus in those places so he can walk alongside us. And so I want to pray over us, and then we'll go into a time of uh, communion. Lord, thank you so much that you see the whole us, that you made us in your image, and that we belong to you. And God, I pray against any shame, any fear, any insecurities uh, in this area of emotional and brain health, Lord, that we would run and get help, that we would confide in a brother or a sister, Lord, and that we seek the help that we need, Lord, because you want to heal the whole us. I even pray in this room, Lord, that um, healing will begin to flow even in this room. Lord, I pray that if we've been struggling with depression and anxiety and fear. God, I pray that your presence will be peace for us. For those who are mourning and grieving, Lord, I pray that your comfort will be near to us. Thank you for your sweet presence that I even sense in this room now. And we love you. And we thank you. Thankful that you're so attentive to every part of us. 
not just our spiritual growth, but you are attentive to our emotional growth. You are attentive to who we are and how we love others. You said that we will, people will know that we are your disciples by how we love. Help us to love each other well in this season. In Jesus' name, amen.